1: a Radio Info Raw Edit podcast, the conversations behind our reports. Kieran Davis, welcome. You've recently released the full year HT&E figures. It was a pretty tough year last year for the company, wasn't it? It was a tough year for everybody,
2: Steve. Yeah, it was. But, you know, I think the second half was actually a lot better than... And what we thought we could have been when we stared down a very dark barrel in sort of April, May time last year, you know, our revenue in the second half was, was down 14 percent compared to nearly 30 percent for the first half. So there was a, not not necessarily a recovery, but there was a huge improvement quarter three, quarter four versus that, that horrible quarter two that we had where, where radio revenue was back 46
1: percent. Just walk me through the structure of the HT&E company because radio is reasonably healthy, but you're very exposed to outdoor as well. Yeah, so we, we've... Um, I mean, the, the history of ht obviously, it, it used to be APN
2: Media. Back five, six years ago, 80% of its revenue was in, was in newspaper. It has had 450 million of debt. And we spent a lot of time fixing the balance sheet, getting out of, of sort of challenged industries, which obviously newspapers is, as we know and really focusing on our, particularly our audio strategy over the last 12, 18 months. So today, you know, for, for the year last year, we just did under 200 million of, of revenue, We did nearly 50 million of, of EBITDA, majority of that obviously coming from ARN, our radio business. But significantly, you know, we've got, you know, very, very strong balance sheet. Um, we've got net cash of about 110 million. We have uh, a very good radio business that that is very cash
1: generative, as we know. And within the portfolio now, we we have a number of opportunities to really drive some significant shareholder value,
2: uh, particularly out of uh, a technology business called Soprano, which is uh, an instant messaging business, if you like, in the CPaaS world. Where we've announced that we are appointing, uh, we've appointed indeed, Macquarie Capital to look at how we could how we can extract value from that business at this point, because the, the CPaaS market is. Well, at the
1: moment, what kind of a business is it? Um, I, I suppose to put it very simply, if uh, you
2: know if you're getting a one time password for for logging into, say, your online bank, that's the type of technology that, that Soprano does. But that, that's a very simplistic view of, of quite a complicated platform that it has. It operates in the SNS, uh, it operates in voice, it operates, it, you know, a lot of platform integration with WhatsApp, uh, Viber. So it's really at the forefront, if you like, of of marketing communications between businesses, governments, uh, and telcos and their customers. Um, it did over a billion messages last year. The clients include say AT&T in America, Singtel in Asia, Telstra here in Australia, uh, NHS, BT in the UK, and, and for instance with COVID, obviously the first six months of last year, you know, NHS were sending out millions of text messages every day. So the, the business has seen tremendous commercial uplift Uh, In performance in revenue and what we call gross profit over the last two to three years and it's an exciting time for that industry because there's probably a period of consolidation coming through so lots of opportunities for to plan out. but you know as a business and as a board we we sat down we had a look at it you know we we don't want to be in the business for the next five or ten years CPAS is is not our our core strength if you like and as I say with valuations as, as good and as strong as they are today Uh, in that market, then, you know, we're looking at what opportunities are there because there's a real opportunity to to drive some significant shareholder return for for, for HT&E. And then we can look to see how we would deploy, you know, whatever cash we achieve through the sale of that 25% that we have.
1: I remember last time we talked, which was, I guess, halfway through last year, and one of your strategies was to talk a lot to your staff and communicate what was going on. Do you think that's been a successful strategy in, in just keeping everybody in the business on target and knowing what's happening?
2: Uh, I, I like to think so. Um, you know, we, we had to make some tough decisions and, and had to let some people go, which which was, wasn't was pleasant. And, you know, some people who've been in the business for a long time and have been great contributors. Um, but that was tough. Jobkeeper you know, helped to, to sort of stave off more severe redundancies that we would have been looking at to be fair and, and just on that while, while i'm sort of referencing JobKeeper and the federal government i think it was great to see the federal government's share of spend increase on radio quite substantially in 2020 and hoping that continues into 21 and um, but you know those two actions from the federal government really helped radio last year and that was good to see but back to your initial question yeah regular communication was important honesty of communication was important um you know, we, we look back and, and think, what would we change, what would we do differently? And, and honestly, there probably isn't much. And I'd like to think that, that most staff would, would sort of look back and, and feel as though they were kept involved. Yes, it was a very unsettling time, but we did as much as we could to keep people focused on, on the positive side of things and, and keep the business performing well. And the business did perform well. So, you know, I think we must have got something right.
1: How many people lost their jobs in the end?
2: It was just over 30.
1: Uh-huh. Any idea of increasing staff again?
2: Um, you know, last year we brought in you know, a few technology projects that looked at our efficiency, and that, that probably means some of the roles that we let go we, we don't have to hire back. But we certainly are making investments, particularly in, in marketing of our brands, which you'll see back you know, out and without now, which is good to see, and also then improving further our, our digital data, content creation and monetization opportunities. We did a, a 20% pay cut across the board. That was initially planned for six months. We cut it back to five months uh, and everybody is now, is now back on, on full pay. And, you know, that was, that was again, really hard to do and, and a lot of people made a lot of sacrifices. But at a time when, when we implemented this, which was sort of middle of April, late April, you know, we were really looking at some, at some very troubling numbers if, if the pandemic had kept going as it was. And, you know, I think we spoke about those, that three or four week period when there was an incredible amount of, Um, cancellations pulled from radio that that pretty much the the revenue vote was empty for the rest of the year so we have to take that decision unfortunately I think there was a perception out there that that radio was going to suffer the same fate as out of home in terms of people not being in the car uh, and not being able to travel to work therefore they weren't going to listen to radio those of us in the industry would would strongly believe and would have known that that wasn't going to be the case that our content is, is engaging enough and strong enough and local enough and live enough and create enough of an emotional bond with our audience that um, radio listenership was, was going to switch to whoever audiences were, and that happened to be in the home, and it happened to be increasingly on more mobile devices, on desktops, on smart speakers, Then, because audiences will, will search out and consume our content from really good talents that we have, and, and, and we knew that was going to happen, but you know we took a little bit more convincing in the ad market to, to sort of reinforce that, which we did quite well in the end.
1: Yeah, actually, I think collectively as an industry, the Australian radio industry has done a hell of a lot to study those changes and then to communicate it. You know, CRA has done a very good job. I think one of
2: the best things we did um, was when the four commercial directors from the radio network got together and and collectively went out to trading directors, heads of agencies, CMOs, talking about the power of radio. Um, That that was really well received and a very strong message from from the the four sales direct commercial directors.
1: Well, let's dwell on those audience changes that were noticed during this time, which you pointed out. Do you think they're going to stick? Is there a permanent change in audience consumption habits and the devices they use, or is it going to drift back?
2: It's going to change. It's going to increase. It's actually quite exciting because it means that you know, radio will now become much more the extension of radio content, if you like, will become much more pervasive because, you know, more and more people are listening to, to catch up podcasts. You don't you don't have to be where a to listen to radio now. More and more people are getting used to listening to live radio on, on their mobile phone, on iHeartRadio. And and increasingly as as people sign up and, and register for, for iHeartRadio in particular whether to listen to live radio or listen to a podcast or listen to a specific artist, you know, that, that level of, of, of data that we can have means that we can increasingly become much more personalised in the content we are delivering to that audience, which is still one of the criticisms or, or, or sort of concerns that media buyers have about radio, is that its, it's one-to-mass reach is, is very strong, and, and the reach is very good, but increasingly, as we move to a more addressable ID planning process, that radio has a challenge trying to drive those. First-party data, um, and what we've seen is, you know, people are not afraid to sign up to write our radio. They're not afraid to to um, to be to be sent notifications around other forms of audio that are available. And I think that's tremendously exciting when you match that with the fact that our core radio product is is still as strong, if not growing, more than
1: ever. Your point about people signing up, not being afraid to sign up, I think is an important one. And I think it's about trust. Uh, Probably they trust iHeart and ARN. So they're willing to give a certain amount of their data and they know that you won't be scraping all of their um, internet habits uh, along the way to gather further data about them. So I, I think that Radio is well positioned in that respect um, because it's a trusted medium and people will trust us as an industry with certain amounts of data, whereas they're getting more and more suspicious of the digital industries.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and that element
2: of trust is, is one of the key attributes that, that we see from, from advertising as well in terms of that the trust that our audience have with our talent is, is a tremendous uh, advantage when compared to the question marks that are still being asked over the placement of ads and products in, in global social platforms that are there. Um, you know I, even looking at, at, at Facebook last week and, and you know, the, the pulling of um, out of Australia, I, I think that's backfired in some respect on them because, you know, what, what it's actually done is, is strengthened the resolve of, of operators and media owners to say, well, we can't just be reliant on one platform. We have to make our content available across as many platforms as possible um, so that our audience can consume it and, and we're much more in control. So, you know, I, I think the trust thing is very important, but increasingly, um, we will be able to drive, you know, much deeper content engagement with audiences as a result of having digital platforms like iHeartRadio. Um, you know, one of the great examples is uh, if we if we have um, the Premier New South Wales in studio with Jonesy and Amanda, you know, we're sending push notifications out to to our audience. They tune in in twenty minutes. So we're reaching people in an environment whereby they're not listening to radio, and we're hopefully driving people into the radio environment. Then we go back two hours later, and, and if we see that people haven't actually had a chance to listen, we can send them out a push notification: "Sorry, it was this morning's interview, but here's the podcast level." So that that's great engagement that we get, which is extending the, the consumption of our content beyond live broadcast in an FM environment, and obviously increasing monitoring opportunities as well.
1: Yeah. And I think um, all media companies are realising they need to be in more control of their relationship with their audience. Um, I've seen the ABC um, promoting the ABC News app rather than their messenger service on Facebook. Most media companies now are pushing their audience to a direct sign-up with them like you have on iHeart. And, and again, like, we
2: have our content available on over 65 devices in Australia now. Um, so it, it's just it's about making it as, as broad as possible and as easy as possible for us to be consumed because absolute choice of content consumption now rests, as we know, with, with, with consumers. They choose when, where, how they listen to content, and it's not the preserve of radio to be able to dictate when that happens. So we have to move with, with the times, and, and I think radio has done a very successful job of doing that and is continuing to push the ground use really with, with, again, apps like iHeart.
1: Well, you've been very successful with iHeart just the last couple of weeks. Your competition SCA has come to the party with Listener. Is it going to give you a run for your money? Obviously, from an iHeart
2: perspective, you know we have an exclusive license until 2036. Um, we, we pay a, a non-material if you like, license fee for that. We own the content creation that we can do. We own the monetization of it. But at the back end of that, what we also get is is the wealth of knowledge and depth of a global platform like iHeartRadio, which can be localized into this market. Um, You know, they they have hundreds of of, of developers working on that. We're on the same roadmap as the States. And remember, it's been downloaded about 150 150 million times in the US already. Um, We uh, have access to a wealth of content um, which which we're only just starting to, to delve into and roll out here in Australia. Um, and we, we have um, not also access to the guide in terms of trends that they're seeing over there, how they're monetizing it better, how they're rolling it out with their radio ads. what else is coming down the road. The AI intelligence and the algorithms behind it are extraordinary. So, you know, we have we have the freedom of, of exclusive uh, platform here in Australia that we've used for the last five years. We've learned an enormous amount um, and it's backed by a global platform with, with all the advantages that that brings. So we're quite comfortable with, with the product that we have and how competitive that's going to be in this market. There's no doubt that, that you know, what we're seeing is that that trend of, of growth in digital audio is not coming from broadcast radio. It's coming from that, that 50% pie of, of advertising in Australia, which is digital. Um, you know, radio has been To, to any other operator that, that's here operating from, from an international scale, uh, we've got you know 1.9 million registered users, which of which 1.1 are active monthly. Um, we're putting a lot of effort into increasing that aggressively over the next 12 and 18 months. So I, I actually think the future is quite bright for, for radio operators and ourselves because we've got a great core product where radio listening is growing. Um, the, the advantages of radio advertising in terms of its immediacy, the flexibility, the ability to drive a a call to action, particularly in a retail environment, remain as strong as ever, and the trust that we spoke about, Uh, and increasingly we've got a digital audio product that, although not material at the moment, uh, and remember the podcast market is is, is not significantly high at the moment, but it will grow over the next two to three years, Um, but there's there's a pie of revenue that we can start tapping into, uh, which will compensate the
1: radio piece, so I, I think the future for us is exceptionally strong. What about ratings? We'll soon see the results. Um, you've got fairly stable presenter lineups around the country that are pretty consistent with past years. Anything to highlight in the programming that you expect to see in ratings um, when the first results come out?
2: I would think that, you know, from from our perspective, we still think there's opportunity for our, our KISS One Point One brand in Melbourne. Jason and PJ are doing great content, and you know we think there's still growth to come there. Uh, we have a stable of content that our talent that we're exceptionally happy with. That we extended all our contracts early um, uh, towards the end of 2019. So you know, and, and sometimes that stability of audience and stability of, of talent is is the a, is a key to driving good ratings. So you know, we expect to remain as competitive as ever, and the radio industry is very competitive, and that's a good thing. Uh, because it pushes us all every day. But from our perspective, we're very pleased with, with the table of, of content, of talent that we
1: have. Have you been talking to Facebook and Google? Are you expecting to ink any deals and get some money from them as a result of the new media bargaining code? We have met with one of them and, and yet to meet the other one. And, and yes, we will be
2: expecting to, to sort of face on what we've heard so far. To drive some 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 revenue from them um, but I go back to my point earlier on we're not beholden to any one particular platform and, and we never will be because we have to make it as broad as possible in terms of content consumption
1: as an audio business uh, search is very difficult in audio um, what's your thoughts on uh, you know how much you should get from Google and whether Google delivers um, the kind of traffic to an audio company that it might deliver to a text-based newspaper company.
2: Yeah, obviously the, the, the scales are a lot different, you know, and, and, and you know, news items, would, you would imagine, would be a lot, obviously it is a lot stronger. So, you know, I'm not going to go into the detail of, of what we're thinking from from a Google Facebook perspective in terms of, of monetary side, but I will say, again, that, that we're not
1: beholden to them either. Well, I think that's a, a very important position for any media company in Australia to be taking, uh, as we've seen uh, their behaviour over the last couple of weeks. Again, I, I just think it strengthens the, the resolve of, of
2: media owners here to, to, you know, to look at how we distribute our, our news, our content, to make sure that, that you know you're not reliant on, on one platform, and, and that, that 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 is probably going to be a good thing for those publishing businesses, but although tricky in the short term, I accept.
1: I guess the last thing to think about is the role of radio in keeping people's spirits up. I think it's played a big role here in Australia and right across the world because of those things you were mentioning before, you know, the personal relationship and the the trust between audiences and the personalities on air.
2: Absolutely. And, and, and what we saw during COVID was that people we were still listening to breakfast radio at, at six in the morning because they wanted that sense of routine. They wanted that sense of normality, a sense of connection, sense of community. It's magnificent strength for, for, for radio because it is a very uplifting medium. It is a very engaging medium. Uh, it's a very sticky medium. And, and we should never lose sight of that fact about how powerful radio is. In, a, in an ever-increasingly digital world, get that. But our, our radio is still as strong as ever from an audience perspective. And so long as we continue to invest in, in talent, invest in, in promotion of radio, um, and invest in, in the distribution of that content, then I think the future is extremely
0: bright. Kieran Davis, thanks very much. Thanks, Dave.